Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Matthew chapter 28. Although you may not even need to open there today, because many, if not most of you, have the verses we're looking at today memorized. And I'll go ahead and give you a heads up that our time together today is going to be heavy on application of what we already know from the Word, at least in our minds. And I want to welcome those of you in Montgomery County and Loudoun and Arlington and PW and online and especially children in our gatherings as this is one of our family worship Sundays at many of our locations where many of our volunteers get a bit of a break and we remind ourselves of the value of worshiping together as a family with our kids of all ages and here in Tyson's at Tyson's in particular, we're celebrating God's grace in individuals and families with special needs. Speaking of kids of all ages, a child's first words are a really big deal. And my baby girl turned nine months old this last week. There she is, all dressed up. But there is a pretty heated argument in my household right now between me and my precious wife regarding her first words. So I will admit that she says mama a lot, but I would argue she's just making a sound. She's not meaningfully looking into her mother's eyes and saying mama. But this last week, she meaningfully gazed into my eyes and said, Dada. Now, no one else was around to hear it that first time. And as soon as I pulled out the camera, she went silent. But I'm convinced it was real. So we value a person's first words. And we value a person's last words. I got a call this week from the family of a brother who served as an elder in the first church I pastored. His name is Bert Cornelius. That's him, picture of him years ago. Bert's 93 years old now and is sick and, and could go home to be with the Lord at any moment. And his daughter called saying he really wanted to speak to me before he died. So I called him Friday afternoon and it was a powerful, meaningful conversation as this brother his voice was faint, but he just told me he loved me, thanked me for some personal things in his life that we had walked through together. And then he said to me, David, be faithful and don't let anyone stand in the way of doing all God tells you to do. Amen. So you can be sure I wrote those words down in my journal. They were so full of weight from someone who was speaking to me, presumably for the last time in this world. First words and last words carry a lot of weight. So a few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus' very first words to his disciples in a passage, Matthew 4, 18 through 22, where in verse 19, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And as soon as his disciples heard these first words, they put a lot of weight on them. Remember, they immediately left their nets and really their lives, and they followed Jesus. Now today, I want us to think about his last words, at least according to Matthew's account, words that we say to each other each week before we leave. I'll put them up here on the screen if you don't know them, but... Let's say them out loud together. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. To the end of the age. Those last words would change the way these guys would live forever. They would not forget this moment 
on this day as Jesus told them why they were still here on the earth to go. Oops, I've messed that up. Sorry about that. To go and make disciples of all the nations, not just in one place or among one type of people, but among all places and all types of people. The word for nations here is ethne, from which we get ethnic groups or what we often call people groups. Jesus made it crystal clear. He was leaving them here to lead men and women in every nation, tribe, language, and group of people to know his love and to follow him as Lord. My question today for you is, how much weight do you give to these words in your life? If you're a follower of Jesus, do you see this as the reason why you are still here on this earth? Or do you think these words were just for those followers of Jesus? In other words, are you giving these words the weight they deserve in your own life? I want to show you today that to be a Christian is to live to see disciples made in all the nations. Obviously, to be a Christian fundamentally is to believe in Jesus Christ, to believe that he came to give his life so that we might have life knowing him as Savior and Lord of our lives. And when you know him in this way, then you follow him and what he says to do, to go and make disciples of all the nations. And if that's the case, if to, live, to be a Christian is to live to see disciples made in all nations, then you and I need a church that's working to make disciples of all the nations. You and I need a church that's prioritizing biblical mission to the nations. We need a church that reminds us that our lives are a part of something much bigger than ourselves and much bigger even than the world we see right around us. We need a church that beckons us to see that God has left us here together for a massive global purpose to see disciples made among all of the nations. Luke records Jesus' last words in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 this way, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Did you catch that? Jesus was telling these disciples they were created for more than just what they could see there in Jerusalem. They were created for a mission that reaches to the end of the earth. In the same way that you and I are created for more than what we see right around us just in Metro Washington, D.C. We're created for a mission that reaches to the end of the earth. And here's why this is so important. We've looked at this map before, and we'll keep looking at it until we change it. So the green areas on this map, if you remember, represent areas that have been reached by the gospel, areas where disciples have been made and churches have been planted and multiplied. Obviously, it doesn't mean that everybody in the green areas is a Christian. We know that. What it means is that the gospel is accessible to people who live in those places, People have access to the gospel and Christians and churches around them in the green. The areas in the yellow are less reached by the gospel, meaning there are some disciples of Jesus and churches there, some access to the gospel, but less access than places in the green. And then the red areas are considered unreached by the gospel. These are places where there are very few, if any, Christians or churches which means if you live in a red area, you have little to no access to the gospel. That's what we mean when we use the word unreached. We don't just mean lost. People are just as lost 
in metro Washington, D.C., as they are in the middle of Somalia. The difference is, by God's grace, there are a lot of Christians and churches in metro Washington, D.C. that are proclaiming the gospel. When there are hardly any Christians or any churches in the middle of Somalia, which means that if you live in Somalia, you don't have access to the gospel. Practically what it means, if you live in the red, it means the likelihood is you'll be born, you'll live, and you'll die, and you'll never even hear the good news about God's love in Jesus. And that is currently a reality for approximately 3.2 billion people in the world. And it's a number that is continually increasing. Do you know why? Because the church in the green and the yellow is not doing what God has left us here to do to work to get the gospel to them. In other words, the reason this map is true in the world is because we're not giving weight to Jesus' last words. And it's why I want us to really soak them in today because if we're not careful, we can say these words to each other every single week and then go on living in a cultural Christianity that practically turns a blind eye and deaf ear to 3.2 billion people who've never even heard the gospel. So what does it mean then to live, to see disciples made in all nations, for you to do that, for you to live this week for this purpose, and for us as a church to work together for this purpose? Knowing, so I can see the thought bubbles all across the room and through the camera and other locations. We think, okay, but aren't there needs here for the gospel too, like in the green? Don't you see our city, what our country's going through? And not just our city, our country, my life. Like I'm going through this or that in my life or in my marriage or my family or my work. How can I think about living to see the gospel spread to the other side of the world. And I just want to say from the start, I get these questions. Yes, there are massive needs for the gospel in Metro Washington, D.C. and in our country. And there are deep needs in your life, and there are deep needs in my life. And in light of that, I just want to encourage us to think so in your life or my life with our needs and challenges and struggles and our lives and families and work, just imagine facing all of those things without the hope and the peace and the love of Jesus. Amidst all the needs in our city where it's green, just imagine what those needs look like then in the red where there's little to no knowledge of the truth or love of Jesus. So without question, God is not calling us at any point in his word to ignore the needs in our lives or the needs of people's lives in Metro Washington, D.C., to pretend like they don't exist. No, God is calling us to press into Jesus in our own lives with all our needs and to spread the good news of Jesus right where we live in Metro Washington, D.C. And as we do, to not ignore 3.2 billion people who are living and dying with little to no knowledge of him. He's calling us to get the gospel to the ends of the earth, to make disciples of all the nations. It's what we tell each other every single week. It's why we're here. So I want to help us today think about, okay, what does that look like practically for us to live, to make disciples of all the nations? And I just want to encourage you to start right where you and I live, so here are three simple ways you and I can live today, tomorrow morning, and the next day, and the next day, this week, and the next week, right here, how we can obey 
this command, this commission to make disciples of all the nations. We can start right where we live by praying for the spread of the gospel to all nations, particularly the unreached. Do you realize you can be a part of what God is doing in the middle of the red anytime from anywhere? Through prayer, you can join with God in what he's doing around the world. You can do that before you get up out of bed in the morning. I've shared with you before the Joshua Project app. Download it. Unreached of the day. Pray for an unreached people group during the day. It's so simple. Just download it. We spend so many minutes, hours of our lives wasted on things that don't matter on these screens. Just spend 60 seconds praying for the Sunri people of Bangladesh, 356,000 of them, 0.0% evangelical. No gospel-believing people among the Sunri, most of them totally unreached Hindu. So just to spend 60 seconds praying for the Sunri, joining with what God's doing in the red. Here's another tool, stratus.earth, you can go to. Shows the countries of the world, ranked with data according to the spiritual and physical needs in each of those countries. Like sit down alone or with your family before a meal or before bedtime or in the morning, whatever works best. Pull up one of these countries. Let's go to, let's go to uh, Somalia here. You can zoom in on Somalia and once you do, you can find out all kinds of information about Somalia, needs in Somalia. You've got prayer points for Somalia. If you zoom in right here, you can see there's a little video you can click that will lead you. Just pray for a couple minutes for Somalia. In fact, let's, let's do that right now. So all across all of our locations, let's pretend like we're clicking on that right now. And let's, let's do this. Watch this video. And as you do, pray. Let's pray for Somalia. Watch this with me. Father, we lift your holy name. We thank you that you are God. So you know Somalia. You know everything that goes on there. And we thank you for the nation of Somalia. We thank you for what has happened over the years. And we thank you that with your divine intervention, there is going to be restoration. Father, Somalia has gone through a lot. The precious, precious people of Somalia have seen suffering. They've seen pain, pain beyond human description. Oh, Somalia has been known as Africa's most failed nation. It's also known as the most lawless nation in the world. Somalia is a broken nation, Lord. They've seen lawlessness. They've seen terrorism. They've seen murders, heartless killings. Famine has killed thousands and so many things. They've seen pirates hijacking and, and ships on the high seas. They've seen so many negativity. It's a broken nation that needs divine restoration. Only you can intervene, Lord. We pray. We pray, Lord. We cry out for the beautiful nation of Somalia. The only God Almighty can intervene for political stability, for peace, for restoration, for healing, for a nation to be healed. We cry out for a nation to be healed, and for a nation to know Jesus, and for your name to be exalted, that all that the enemy means for evil, you will turn it to good, Lord. We pray for the Somalis who are outside in the diaspora, who have scattered across the world, that they will come to know Jesus, and they will go back to their nations as missionaries. We pray also you send more missionaries, and at the end of the day, your name will be glorified, and Somalia shall be saved. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. underestimate what we just did. Like to the extent when, which you actually prayed for Somalia, like God has ordained our prayers to be a means by which he pours out his grace and his mercy on the nations. Do we believe that? Because if we do, that'll change the way we live. 
It'll change the way we pray. Change the way we raise our kids. Raise your kids to pray like this for the nations. Show them this is what Christianity is. We want the glory of Jesus among the nations. It's what we pray for, kids. It's what mom and dad are passionate about. We want the name of our king to be known in places where they need his love and they need his grace and they need his mercy. And we believe when we pray, it matters. And it does. So uh, go, to the, go to the Middle East with me. Last week, I sent out a prayer request on uh, my social media channels just to ask people to pray for two brothers who had been imprisoned and beaten in the Middle East. And people started praying. I got word later these brothers, one, had stayed faithful to the gospel and were sharing it with others, other prisoners, and then had the opportunity to share it with leaders in very high positions. And as they did, as people were praying, the very men who were arrested and imprisoned and beat these brothers in Christ, those very men ended up arranging their release. And today, those men are back home with their church and their families. It actually matters when we pray. You believe this, it'll change the way you live. Functionally, we're living like we don't believe that. Let's just be honest. How how much is this infusing our day? Pray for the spread of the gospel to all the nations. Our global outreach team puts together a prayer guide that has all throughout the year, one week, every week throughout the year, pray for different missionaries who've gone out from our church family, partners we have, different places around the world. I can share with you later how you can get that sent to you. But you can do this right now, this week, every day. We should pray for the spread of the gospel to all nations, particularly the unreached. Then second, to give for the spread of the gospel to all nations, particularly the unreached. We won't spend a ton of time here because we talked about biblical giving a couple of weeks ago. But I do want to encourage you that when you give to our church family, you are giving to the spread of the gospel to all nations, particularly the unreached. We just encourage you. So, yeah, you, you see headlines, for example, of uh, Russia and Ukraine right now. What you won't see in those headlines is that your giving has led to a church plant in Crimea where a pastor is now faithfully proclaiming the gospel in Russia. He's facing continual pressure from the government to use his preaching, his platform to advocate for war. He's standing strong at great risk to his life, his family, his church, and you are coming alongside him. In Iran, you're training pastors who are working among the nearly 125 million Farsi speakers, not just in Iran, but in Afghanistan and Tajikistan. You're training pastors in Nepal who are planting churches in the majority Hindu as well as Tibetan regions of that country. You're doing the same in South Central India where pastors we're helping train are facing intense persecution right now. In the UAE, United Arab Emirates, you're supporting ministry on over 20 different university campuses where the gospel is spreading among college students from nations who, from uh, college students who come from nations across the Middle East. In Kazakhstan, you're providing resources and theological training to over 500 pastors amidst flooding in Pakistan. Your giving has helped over 2,000 families with essential needs for food and sanitation, all in the name of Jesus, including a number of pastors who lost their homes in that flooding. You, your giving is ministering specifically to children and families with special needs in a very unreached part of Central Asia near there. I could go on and on. I haven't even talked about how you're giving, supporting missionaries in Middle Eastern countries and India and Kazakhstan and Haiti and Cambodia and Senegal and Thailand and Germany and Malaysia. You have opportunities to give every week through our church family for the spread of the gospel to all the nations, particularly the unreached. And if you ever want to give over and above your normal giving, specifically to needs like this, you can always do that through our care fund that's designated specifically for urgent spiritual and physical needs in the world. Why has God put us in one of the wealthiest places to ever exist on planet Earth? He has not done it so that we can spend all our lives getting stuff that's not going to matter in the end. He has given us wealth for the spread of his worldwide worship, for the spread of his glory among the nations. God, open our eyes to realize this is what we are here to live for, to give for the spread of the gospel to the nations, particularly the unreached. And then third, so all this, just starting, you can do all this right now, go for the spread of the gospel to all nations, particularly the unreached. At which point you might say, wait a minute, so if I live here, starting right where I live, how can I go here for the spread of the gospel to all nations, particularly the unreached? Well, I'm glad you asked. I want you to think about this. 
for these disciples in Matthew 28. This mission started in Jerusalem for them, right where they lived. Just like it starts in Metro Washington, D.C. for us, right where we live. Think about Acts chapter 2 for them. When all kinds of people from all kinds of nations were gathered in Jerusalem and these disciples were sharing the gospel with them. Then think about us where all kinds of people from all kinds of nations have come to this city. We have the opportunity to share the gospel with the nations right outside our front door. I love taking Uber and Lyft rides in our city because I almost always, I'd say 90 plus percent of the time, find myself sharing the gospel with someone, not just from another nation, but so often from one of these places that are red on the map, whom God has brought here. I think about Muhammad from Pakistan, had an opportunity to share with last week. God has brought the nations to us, so let's share the gospel with the nations around us. Here's the way I would put it. Go and let's make disciples of the nations here, so the nations God has brought here, and then for the nations from here. I know you can't read that, but you get the point. Of the nations here, for the nations from here. Here's what I mean by by that last part. Uh, Let me just give you a picture. I met a college student the other day. She was so passionate about the spread of the gospel of the nations. Like, it just oozed out of her. And I was like, where where did you get this fire? And she said, the person who led me to Jesus told me this is what it means to follow Jesus. And I thought, that's it. God, help us to to lead people to Jesus. And no matter who they are or where they're from, lead them to become disciple makers among the nations. God, help us not to lead people to become nominal, cultural, come to church and sit Christians. That's not Christianity. God, help us to lead people to become global, radical, give your life to reach the nations, Christians, because this is what it means to follow Jesus, to live to see disciples made among the nations. So I I want you to see a video. Try to connect some dots here that Radical recently put out about the protests that you may have seen, the news headlines in Iran. So it's a longer video, but I want you to watch it with me, and then I want to connect the dots with what we're talking about here and the mindset shift that needs to happen in our Christian lives. So watch this with me. It is 7 a.m. I'm in the Istanbul airport, and I just got off the plane from a country you've probably heard a lot in the news lately, Iran. Protest in Iran. That's how Iran were an unprecedented wave. Iranian crackdown on anti-government protesters. Over the last few years, you've probably gotten used to seeing protests and demonstrations breaking out all over the world. So it's easy to miss the significance of what's been happening in Iran for the past few weeks. This is no ordinary protest. Street demonstrations started in mid-September after news broke out that a 22-year-old woman named Masa Amini. Masha Amini. Masha Amini. Masa Amini died in custody after being detained by morality police for allegedly not covering her hair properly. Since then, Iran has been in a state of internal turmoil. Many have been arrested, many have died, and the government has shut off the internet to block communication to the outside world. I mean, when I was in Iran, it took me two whole days just to send out one email. So you can imagine what it's like for locals who are just trying to communicate with their loved ones on the outside, but can't. So, the church in Iran has faced tremendous persecution by the government for many years. But they're not the only ones who have suffered. Iranians are fighting against violent forces and internet blackouts, and now their story is getting out to the world. But the question for Christians is, are we listening? happening today, we have to go back to 1979, when the Islamic regime took control of the government and, among many other things, established an Islamic morality police to enforce a dress code that includes requiring women, Muslim or not, to wear head coverings called hijabs. But this is about more than just head coverings. Iranian on the street are not against any religion. They're not against Islam. They're not against God. They're not against Christianity. This is Milad Ebrohafsa. 
a young Iranian couple who fled the country after facing pressure and harassment from the authorities because of their Christian faith. They're asking and fighting for human right, for the right that every people should have to decide what to wear. And it's bigger than just hijab issue. The whole system, the history of 43 years of this regime proved that Iranians don't want this regime to rule anymore. So many churches in the West are partnering with Iranian Christians to reach Iran for Christ, which I love, I appreciate, and that's great. But you know what? Iranians need to be alive first, then we can share the good news with them. When our Lord Christ is looking at us, He's not seeing us as American church, Iranian church, church in Europe, church in China. He sees church as his body. So whatever happening, mostly in injustice like this, should affect us as believers. Not just because they're Iranian Christian, because they're Iranian. And not just that, because they're human. Those who are created in God's image, and they are dying brutally on the street. Iran has more than 86 million people and is seeing major advances in gospel movement, more than we've seen since the seventh century. At the same time, there is a great amount of persecution and oppression, ranking Iran as the 13th country with most urgent spiritual needs and the ninth most dangerous country for Christians to live. As I spoke further with Milad and with Hafsa, it became clear why this moment in Iran was particularly significant, why these protests were different. It's mostly, mostly start with women and then a young generation that they didn't see the last revolution in Iran. And then from the youngest, like 10 years old people, kids, and until 18 years old people. And the pioneer of these protests are women. And I, as a man, I'm so proud of the women of Iran. While it's not the first time Iranians have protested in the streets, it is the first time in decades that this many women have publicly defied the regime. And many of them are young, like in high school. Given how far this may seem to many of us, we might be tempted to not pay attention to the injustices that are happening at this very moment. But not listening to stories like these has very real consequences. And the last time, a couple of years ago, when they cut off the internet, they killed brutally 1,500 people. And it can happen, and this time the number can be much bigger. So don't be silent. If, if by now you're watching this, the protests are still continuing in Iran, be their voice. Men and women, they are in the street, please, Please, be voice for them. They are putting everything of their life. Go to the street and fight for their life. Because I think their life, they, they are living in Iran, it's matter. It doesn't matter what kind of mindset we have, but they are putting their life in the position of danger is the position of so many blood in the street. So please, please pray and also be voice for them because they need that voice right now. So let's listen to our brothers and sisters in Iran. And as Christians, now is the time for us to pray for peace, for justice, and for the hope and love of Jesus to be made known in Iran. Christ is not far from their pain and their suffering. But Christ's kingdom is also one of justice. So as we pray, let's also speak, speak the truth of the gospel that brings hope and shines light on the injustices happening around the world. So the reason I wanted you to see that video is because if we believe Matthew 28, 18 through 20, what we say to each other every week, that we are disciple makers among the nations, 
then these are things that concern us. And not just some of us, like all of us. We want to be in tune with what's happening among the nations. We want to pray and live accordingly because this is what it means to follow Jesus. Starting right here where we live, to pray in light of these things, to give in light of these things, and to go right here in light of these things, far from us. And then, so follow this, we start living like this here, and then we continue living like this wherever God leads, which may be here or maybe anywhere else in the world. So as long as we're in the green, then God's calling all of us to do all these things, pray, give, go, right here in the green for the spread of the gospel to the nations. And then, doesn't it just make sense if there are three billion people who have little to no knowledge of the gospel, that at some point God might call some of us from the green to go to the red? Think Acts 13, when the church at Antioch was worshiping and praying And the Spirit of God set apart, said to Saul and Barnabas, you two guys, I'm setting you apart to go where the gospel hasn't gone. And the church gathered around them and sent them out. This is what we mean when we talk about being a church of biblical mission. It means we help each other live like this here in the green. And then if or when God calls this person or that person that we come alongside them and help them discern. Okay, is God calling you? If so, when, where, how? And we help you go to the red in different ways. That could play out in uh, short-term ways. Going to the red, we have dozens of opportunities in our church family over the next year for you to go to the red for a week or two and be a part of the spread of the gospel there. And and we had a team just get back this last week from the heart of the Middle East sharing the gospel in the red. Then there are opportunities to go what we call midterm, so longer than a week or two, for a month or two, or for a year or two. College students, we encourage you before or at least right after you graduate college, at some point before you move on from college, that you would spend at least a summer if not a semester or a year or two, somewhere in the world where the gospel hasn't gone in this unique time in your life. Others of you may have jobs with that kind of flexibility. I think of Elena, whose job flexibility made it possible for her to spend a couple of months overseas working with a church for the spread of the gospel there. And others, Grace and Suji and Linda, who are following in her lead. I think about retirees who have that flexibility. When you're living to see disciples made among the nations, it changes the way you view retirement and your plans for your life. This is following Jesus. It means an openness to go short-term, mid-term, or long-term for an extended period of time, if not for a lifetime, to the red. So I want to share with you one more video directly from a member of this church family, we'll call her Heather, who is sitting right where you are one Sunday morning a few years ago when God's Spirit spoke to her heart and said, I'm calling you to the red. And I want you to hear her story in her own words. And as you do, I just want to pray that God might do this if there's this many people in the red who've never heard and this many followers of Jesus in this church. Surely God's calling some of us to go. Let's listen to Heather's story. Watch this with me. 
I am here in South Asia. I was sent here with my job, um, but since I've been here, I was hooked up with a local church here, and I spend my time trying to be the best possible church member I can be by helping to disciple the church community here and, and helping to equip uh church planters and others to boldly share the gospel throughout South Asia. So, well, actually, I was just like uh, everyone else probably watching this call, a regular church member, but Pastor David Platt and his October 2019 message encouraged us to think about what if God was calling us for more than just the American dream. And after a lot of prayer and fasting, I realized that the Lord was indeed calling me uh, for that. And so I'm so thankful that the global outreach team came alongside me and gave me a personal development plan, which included lots of reading and writing, as well as a lot of pastoral care and counseling so that I would be equipped and ready to properly leverage this opportunity, being in South Asia, one of the most unreached uh, parts of the world, uh, to help um, share the gospel and help encourage the local church here. I am part of an amazing church here. Um, I like to call it Acts Church. It's very much, uh, very, it's only about 100 members. Everybody knows each other. Uh, I went through the membership classes and everything just like you would do um, at NBC. And since coming here, I've focused most of my efforts on discipling women and children. I'm very, I'm one of the Sunday school teachers. I also uh, lead uh, the women's ministry. I was selected to do that. I'm one of the co-leaders where we provide monthly seminars for women on discipleship, um, where we have older women uh, helping teach younger women how to practice spiritual disciplines, how to be good wives and mothers, um, just uh, everything uh, out of the Bible we, we practice. And I also uh, work very closely uh, with the elders of the church to support all of their church planting efforts. It's, it is a lot different. So South Asia, as I mentioned, one of the, the most unreached regions here. And the local church here is very different than NBC in that I'm considered um, a mature Christian, which I think in the US I'd be, I'd have a lot more peers. But here because of my age and because I've been a believer so long, um, I, I had the privilege of knowing Christ at an early age. Whereas here, the local church, most members are first generation Christians, which means that they didn't grow up going to Sunday school or getting um, access to the Bible until uh, they became adults. Um, so many of them also converted from other faiths like Hinduism or even um, bad gospel like prosperity gospel, other faiths. And so a lot of the, the church here, what we do is we do a lot of discipleship uh, and a lot of care. Uh, which means we have Bible studies, we read our books, we read books together, biblical books together, we have sermon discussion groups to talk about the sermon to make sure people understand uh, what's, what the Bible is teaching and what God is calling us to be. One of the blessings that uh, uh, was a prayer that I have coming in would be that I would be a witness at my at my workplace. And by his grace, um, we've been able to start, a, I've started a small Bible study with three women at my workplace. And we meet uh, once a week uh, for, at lunchtime. And we're right now studying the Gospel of John. So I have uh, the GO team to thank for that because you they taught us how to do that in the, in the training. And each, each Wednesday at lunchtime, we study John and we discuss it and we pray over it. And these three women all come from um, either Hindu background or prosperity background. And they were just interested in learning more about Jesus and about the Bible. And so, um, so I'm praying that these efforts will be fruitful, even though they're taking place at work.
no different than any of you. I was sitting right there on those pews just like you, and by the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I am here a year later. Um, and all I'm doing here is being a church member. I'm, I'm doing what God has called us to do, which is be an active member of his body. Um, and then pouring into other church members. That's all that I'm doing here. That's all that's required is to be obedient to his command and, and, and do those things and do what the Bible has called us to do as believers. Uh, that is share the gospel at any opportunity, whether you're in the U.S. or in South Asia, you're in a cab, you're at work, wherever you are. If the Lord presents an opportunity, share, share the gospel uh, every chance you get. Um, also that it isn't, the church MBC uh, will come alongside you. <laughs> you don't, you're not alone in the process. I'm so thankful. Like we just had a team of, from NBC come and visit me. It was the most encouraging, wonderful 10 days um, I've had. And so I've never felt alone. I've always felt connected both to NBC as well as very, very uh, invested and connected to my local church here. So here's the question. One, praise God for Heather and his grace in her. My question for you is, are you willing to do that with no strings attached? Are you willing to go short-term, mid-term, or long-term where the gospel has not gone? I, I certainly don't know if Jesus is leading you to go to the red. But I do know, based on the words we all know, that following Jesus means putting no limits on where or how you will make disciples among the nations. When you signed up to follow Jesus, you signed up for following Jesus. This is what we live for, to see disciples made in all the nations. It's why he's left us here, to know him and to lead others to know him among the nations starting right where we live and continuing wherever he might lead. So as we close today, I want to give us two specific ways to respond. First, if you desire as a follower of Jesus to grow in your praying or giving or going right here where you live, if God has spoken to your heart today, and either you're not praying and giving or going in these ways, or you want to grow in deeper ways and how this looks, what this looks like in your life, in your family, then I want to ask you to text mission right now to this number, 571-581-6297. Like, do it right now. Don't just hear what God is saying to your heart. Do it. And what will happen is our global outreach team will send you resources to encourage you, to help you grow in your praying and giving and going to see disciples made among the nations. This is an invitation for you to say to your church, family, help me grow in these ways. Send me some ways that I can think through in my life, my family, to do this more. So you can do that right now. And then second, I've prayed that God would speak today to some of our hearts and say, I may be calling you to the red. And I I even use that language intentionally because you don't have to make that decision on your own. We as a church family want to come alongside you, help you discern that. But if you sense God may be saying, yes, short-term or mid-term or maybe long-term, then just as soon as we're finished today at all of our locations, I want to invite you to make a beeline to the lobby 
where there are tables at all of our locations and global outreach team members who are there who would love to just pray with you and help you start thinking about initial steps. They are not going to sign you up to fly out tomorrow to the Middle East. They don't, there's so much to pray through, but that's, would you take that first step, short-term, mid-term, long-term, go and talk with someone about that. We, we do this periodically throughout the year. This is one of those Sundays where I want to call every member of this church family to pray right now. God, are you calling me? If you're married or you have family, you're calling me and my family to go somewhere beyond where I live now for the spread of the gospel. Just ask the question of the God who you have trusted with your life. And then say, if you are, I will go. This is not like a mature statement of, for the most mature Christian. This is elementary Christianity. Here's my life. Are you calling me to go? If so, show me where I'll go. And I just want to lead us to pray this to God right now, realizing in a fresh way today what these words mean that we say to each other every week. They mean we don't live just to come and sit in church services and move on with our lives. We live to see disciples made among the nations. So will you bow your heads with me? And specifically for followers of Jesus, all across this room and other locations, can we just pray that right now? I'll voice it out loud, but you just to say in your heart for all of us to ask this question right now, God, are you calling me to go somewhere beyond where I live now for the spread of the gospel? Are you calling my family to do this? I think about kids all across our church gatherings today. God, are you calling them to go somewhere beyond here for the spread of the gospel in the world? And we say together before you right now, God, in this service of worship, here we are, send us. If you're calling us in this way, we will go. God, I just pray, I pray that by your Holy Spirit right now, you would speak to hearts all across this gathering in a supernatural way. And you would give courage for people to take the first step in exploring what that might look like. Even as we all pray, God, we want to live to see disciples made among the nations. Help us to pray toward that end. Help us to give toward that end. Help us to go toward that end. Here, there, wherever you call us to go, help us to live for this. In our lives, our families, and God, we pray for our church family. Help us to be a church that is working by your grace, for your glory, to see disciples made among all the nations. Thank you for inviting us into your global purpose, oh God. We want to live for what is most important to you, what is going to matter for the next 10 trillion years. And we are looking forward to the day when every nation, tribe, tongue, and people will gather around your throne and give you the glory you are due. Help us to live for that purpose today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.